a neighborhood in shock. A core piece of our community is no more and it's just really sad. What we know about the fire that destroyed Steveston's super grocer. A burst pipe triggers a backyard mudslide. That bank is unstable now. No one's given us any assurances of anything. Neighbors left fearing for their safety and wondering who cleans up the mess. This has the community traumatized. People are so upset. Conservation officers kill a well-known bear in Nelson. Why some are slamming the move. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thank you for joining us. The core of the Steveston village has been destroyed by fire. The super grocer has survived more than four decades as a fixture in Richmond, navigating changing tastes, consumer moods, and making itself an essential part of the community. Angela Jung has the latest. Flames ripped through this grocery store. Moments before smoke began pouring out, Ken Mark says he was alerted by two loud explosions. We heard the bang and then there was flames went up and uh, it was just, it was just so sad. Fire officials received the call just before 5 p.m. Friday. All the customers and staff had already been evacuated. No one was hurt. This was a very hot, very fast fire force. Access to the fire is very restricted. The conditions presented on scene when our staff first got on scene was a real challenge. In the light of day, it's clear the super grocer and pharmacy is completely gutted. People stopping by nonstop, calling this Steveston store a fixture of the community. You know, it's been a real cornerstone for us. I buy all my flowers here. I'm a little rattled seeing it. Um, it was a wonderful place. It's kind of where we do most of our shopping. You know, the pharmacies here, the post office. This is where the good chicken is. You know, there's like so many um, ways that this place has really served Steveston so beautifully. There are many seniors like Ken Mark who live in the neighborhood, depending greatly on the super grocer. To go across the street here, you're less than 10 minutes, right? Whereas save on it would be 20 minutes. This is a family-run business with some longtime employees now figuring out next steps. I used to work there. I didn't like to see it burning down. Uh, I know my mom still works there. Um, she wasn't working yesterday, fortunately. Firefighters on scene Saturday, but still unable to take a closer look at the damage. Fire officials say this building is at risk of collapsing. A structural engineer will need to come to make an assessment before investigators can safely go inside to find out where the fire started and how. Some hopeful the super grocer can rise from the ashes. Angela Jung, Global News. A rainfall warning has been issued for parts of Metro Vancouver with very heavy rain expected at times. The Capilano River runs high this morning as rain pelts the North Shore. The rain warning is in place for West and North Vancouver, Coquitlam, Maple Ridge and the Howe Sound. Those areas can expect 30 to 50 millimeters of rain into tomorrow morning. The temperature is also expected to be higher than usual. Residents and business owners are urged to clear catch basins of any debris to prevent flash flooding and pooling water. You know, the temperatures are going to come up. We're looking at freezing levels above uh, or up around 2,500 meters even above. So that's, you know, above the, the local North Shore Mountain elevation. We also saw last week, uh, just coming off the, the cold snap, 
a pretty good snow event and some of that snow is lingering in the kind of mid elevations right now up high we're we're sitting quite low this year in terms of snow pack but that's actually maybe a, another concerning factor is uh we don't have that really deep snow pack to absorb a bit of the rain uh we're sitting you know about a meter of snow in a lot of areas and so we could see quite a lot of melt coming down with more on the rainfall here's senior meteorologist christy gordon I really want to explain that this is a multi-day event on top of what has been a very wet week. So the ground is super saturated. So we've got rainfall today. We're going to continue to see it tonight. And then the main event will be tomorrow night and into Monday where we've got that atmospheric river. And that's when we'll see the most intense rain. And then the concern is we're going to see rain beyond that as well. So these are the areas under a flood watch. It is North Shore, House Sound, Sunshine Coast and Vancouver Island because with that main event, the atmospheric river, it looks like that's the trajectory for the most intense rain if you're out through the Fraser Valley, we're not expecting as much rainfall there, although you will see some rain. Tune in tomorrow, we'll have a better idea as to the trajectory, but this is what we're anticipating right now. And it does mean the potential for landslides. Uh, we could see some flooding in the region, but in terms of the peak of the river system, it, there's always a lag effect. So even though the most intense rain will be Sunday, Monday, in terms of the peak of the river, it's more so Tuesday, Wednesday that we'll see it. All right, thanks, Christy. As multiple atmospheric rivers are set to hit parts of BC over the coming days, there is also an increased avalanche risk with higher elevations, including the Sea to Sky Corridor into the Duffy Lake Highway, seeing the biggest threat. Rainfall combined with the expected snowmelt can create an unstable snowpack, triggering an avalanche. Well, we are expecting avalanche danger to rise in any areas affecting by the atmospheric river. At the moment, it appears to be aimed at the south coast, and we have these waves of heavy precipitation from tonight through Tuesday that are associated with a significant rise in freezing levels. And we're most concerned about areas that will see rain or rapid warming affecting dry snow for the first time. Rain destabilizes the snowpack, and it can quickly raise avalanche danger. Three people have been arrested after a person was killed early this morning in central Surrey. Police say it was a hit and run covering several blocks. Kristen Robinson has the story and a warning the details are disturbing. Surrey RCMP are working to identify a man who was struck in a hit and run early Saturday and found deceased several blocks away. I mean, it was sad. It's sad they didn't call the ambulance right away when it happened. They just, you know, tried to duff the body here. It was sad. Police say the pedestrian was hit around 1.40 a.m. at University Drive and 104 Avenue, where witnesses saw a red Ford Mustang strike the victim before taking off. The man's body was located 1.6 kilometers away at 109 Avenue and 132 Street, where neighbors' surveillance recorded a red Ford Mustang drive by before stopping. There was a uh, red Mustang who passed from here and stopped around the corner. We could only see the car passing from here and stopped here, but the indicator, the right indicator on, and then just, that's it. Police would not confirm whether the victim was dragged eight blocks before becoming dislodged from the suspect vehicle. How the guy ended up here, I don't know. It was pretty sad. If the guy was on the car, then the driver should be really prosecuting heavily. RCMP say the suspect vehicle was quickly located and its three occupants taken into custody, where they remain. One neighbor saw a red Ford Mustang behind police tape at King George and 132 Street, while another saw a tarped vehicle at the same location. Um, King George turning on to 132 Diversion, 
there was a car with a cover over the front of it. Investigators are asking potential witnesses to come forward if they were traveling northbound on University Drive, westbound on 108 Avenue, and northbound on 132 Street between 1.40 and 1.50 a.m. Saturday. Kristen Robinson, Global News. Three dozen people attended a somber memorial in Nelson today for a bear cub that's been put down by conservation officers. It was known as Hans and often seen walking through backyards and playing in parks. Paul Johnson has the story. Not at all. A very sweet, very timid bear. Um, she actually, there was a little bit of concern because she would sort of approach people as if she were saying, can, can you help me? Katie Graves of Nelson says there are dozens in her city upset over the story of Hans the Bear. Initially thought to be male, hence the name, the young female black bear first became known a couple of years ago when she was a cub with her family. And they drew the attention of conservation officers by getting into some unsecured garbage. Shot the mother, shot the cub, and the other little cub got away up a tree. That cub, she says, cried for a couple of days in the tree and then disappeared. They didn't expect she'd live long without her mother, certainly not through last winter. So they were stunned when this happened. Fast forward to this summer and fall, there was this little bear wandering around town. That scruffy, skinny bear, Katie says, was Hans and became a bit of a celebrity turning up on home security cams and frolicking in a playground with another bear. Well, Hans wasn't threatening anyone. As another winter set in, there were obvious concerns about her health and why she wasn't hibernating. She, she was, people were rooting for her. She was a survivor and hoping she would go den. But that didn't happen. And when conservation got reports that Hans was still wandering around the community, they say they consulted biologists and decided that the humane option was putting her down, tranquilizing and then shooting Hans January 15th. Traumatized. People are so upset. One person did this painting of Hans, they said as a way of processing their grief. As for Graves, she says her issue is not with the officer who shot Hans, but with the process that led up to it which she believes ought to include more input from people who've come to care about the animals in question. It doesn't feel safe when they're shooting an animal that everyone is rooting for. Paul Johnson, Global News. While the extreme cold snap has officially ended in the Okanagan, the effects of it are still lingering. A North Okanagan woman is dealing with a significant mess in her backyard, and as Victoria Famia reports, it's likely the cause of a burst pipe. What sounded like snow falling off the roof to a Vernon homeowner was actually something far worse. I got up to look at what it was. I think it was about 7 in the morning. And I came out and saw this and went, oh my gosh. The city told Donna Zarath a pipe burst inside the vacant home above hers, sending down a flood of water along with a slide of debris straight into her backyard. What I'm sad about is also, well, sad about all of this, but... I had a really nice maple tree that had gotten quite large and was very nice and it's gone. And next door, more damage. That is my shed that was destroyed by the neighbor's bank coming down with a water leak in his house. 
Mike Gurman now pushing for the ground to be assessed. Well, I'd like to see a geotechnical engineer from the city come and tell us that that house isn't going to come down into our yards back here. That bank is unstable now. The incident happened on Tuesday at the tail end of the cold snap and the warmer temperatures now bringing on new problems. Now what we're seeing though is because the pipes were so frozen, what happens is the pipes contract and now with the sudden rise in temperature, they're heating up and expanding. So we're seeing some broken pipes. That cold snap also flooded companies with calls for service. Probably took in excess of 500 calls for frozen lines, burst pipes, um, people just panicking, you know, without water. During extreme cold temperatures, residents are advised to let their water run or insulate their water pipes. And during this time, following a cold snap, plumbers advise doing a walkthrough of your home, checking for any leaks. Victoria Famia, Global News. Tense moments this morning in South Vancouver. A tent goes up in flames near the Oak Street Bridge. One person is hurt. And Kamloops Airport is cleared for development. How the massive property could soon change. Those stories coming up. Woman is receiving medical attention after a tent fire this morning in South Vancouver. The fire broke out at Eburn Park at Oak and Marine Drive just before 8 a.m. It started in a tent and spread to a tree nearby. Fire crews say a 46-year-old woman was suffering from smoke inhalation and treated by paramedics. They believe the fire was caused by a lit candle that was knocked over. The flames were put out before they could spread to other nearby tents. The city of Prince George says it's not time to crack down on development in the wake of a tiny home fire this week in the city. The structure was built by volunteers in the Moccasin Flats area in spite of a stop work order. Tommy Osborne of CKPG News has the story. In the early stages of the project, the City of Prince George issued a stop work notice and a do not occupy notice due to safety concerns, with the primary focus being fire safety. It, it was not totally surprised because uh, th these units were not built with uh, fire protection in mind in terms of a fire rating and a fire resistance. We are very, very fortunate nobody got hurt. In the wake of the tiny home burning down, will the city enforce the stop work order they put up on November 10th? For now, Mayor Yu says no, they won't, because he and the city recognizes the need is still here to get people in from the cold, and Mayor Yu says he really appreciates the community volunteers' efforts in building these homes so people have a shelter to stay in. For now, his and the city's main focus is the transitional housing facility, which he says could offer a more permanent and much safer solution. Once we set up the transitional homes, then you know, we perhaps will enforce uh, the bylaw, able to enforce the bylaw for the entire city. These transitional homes will provide shelter for 88 people, which at the moment is more than the population of Moxon Flats. While the initial timeline hoped to get this built before winter at latest, you want to have it ready by summer. In the meantime, the volunteers plan on continuing to build homes, and you appreciates their dedication. Until uh, they see the transitional housing has been set up, the program institute uh, in installed there by the government works. I think if they are just continue their volunteerism and the get things done the way they feel that perhaps that should be the way you know to help the people. Obviously, the homes is just one small part of the problem, right? It's also medical care, it's also mental health, it's rehab, and all of those things, those surrounding services that come with homelessness. 
For now, the city is expected to let the tiny home project go uninterrupted while it focuses on getting the transitional housing facility built as soon as possible. Tommy Osborne, CKPG News. The provincial government is looking for experts to better understand the potential for single egress stair designs in buildings across BC. The idea behind a single staircase is that it would help with design flexibility on smaller plots of land. Current provincial building and fire codes require at least two exit stairwells in many buildings three stories or higher. It's believed that single stair buildings would help speed up building times and potentially be more cost efficient. There are a whole bunch of jurisdictions around the world uh, that recognize for low-rise buildings that having just one set of stairs instead of two sets of stairs uh, reduces costs, makes it cheaper to provide the building, uh, and uh, reduces costs for both renters and people looking to buy. There's really a lot of great examples in Seattle of um, you know small lots being redeveloped as small apartment buildings. Uh, and when we talk to those architects, uh, they point to the fact that the single stair really is a, is, a, is a key thing of making those feasible. Otherwise, you're looking at developers who have to be well capitalized to you know, buy several lots and go through land assembly. Consultations will begin in February. Even as job action threatens bus service across Metro Vancouver, Surrey is planning for the future of transit in the city. The city is looking for a consultant to create a new transit vision. The main problem is that most routes are designed to move people from Surrey to Vancouver. But as the city grows, there's a need for more local service, especially east-west routes and routes that will connect with the SkyTrain expansion. On top of that, the city says buses are getting stuck in traffic with four of the most congested corridors in the region. Major development could soon be coming to Kamloops Airport after council voted to rezone 276 hectares on the banks of the Thompson River. We get the story from CFJC News. It's been a long process here. We've been at this for years. Tuesday evening's public hearing brought out many from the community, both in support and those concerned about the logistics of the project. And my concern is the parkland dedication area. Many were concerned how the rezoning would impact the walking trails along the river. It needs to remain a nature area and needs to be accessible for some recreational use and off-leash dog walking as before. Part of uh, this zoning proposal includes setting aside some parkland uh, for use on that, as well as maintaining access through the river's trail and the lands that are quite uh, popular for recreational use along the dike and towards south towards the river. I'm exceptionally excited about what we have managed to do here and what's more to come. Uh, I look forward here in the next couple of years to seeing that development start to become a reality. After years in the making, the Kamloops Airport Authority Society is finally able to develop the 276 hectare parcel of land encompassing the Kamloops Airport. The new zoning allows for a broader range of commercial, industrial and airport related use. There's going to be some new streets out at the airport, possibly a cul-de-sac, and we're excited to see things like a, a destination hotel uh, and obviously some other amenities that will support that airport as we intended to build an airport as an asset, not just develop at an airport. Now that the land has been rezoned, the Kamloops Airport Authority can take the next steps towards redevelopment. We can start working on developing what's there, so picking the parcels and, and working with developers or businesses to start looking at what their needs are, what their desires are, and finding uh, tenants that would fit into 
you know, fit into our plans for that. Sydney Chisholm, CFJC News. Still ahead, becoming the cure. The countrywide effort to recruit participants to clinical trials for life-saving medical treatments. And today is International Holocaust Remembrance Day. How BC is marking the occasion. A synagogue in downtown Fredericton, New Brunswick was vandalized overnight. Several windows were shattered with glass littering the ground. Police say they're working to determine whether the synagogue was targeted. Today marks International Holocaust Remembrance Day, a time to remember and reflect. In BC, all landmarks will be lit yellow tonight, representing the Yartzeit candle and the yellow star Jews were forced to wear. Following the lead of our province, this initiative is now worldwide. On October 7th, Hamas committed the largest massacre against Jews since the Holocaust. The local Jewish community says fear and trauma has grown amongst Holocaust survivors as the conflict between Israel and Hamas unfolds. I heard from many Holocaust survivors that they were worried that it's happening again. And, you know, we've committed ourselves as a community um, to ensure that that's not true, that this isn't 1938, that we have support across communities, that we can come together and say that this is wrong. Um, it's a challenging period. The We Remember campaign is another way to honour the survivors. People are asked to take a picture with a We Remember sign and post it onto social media to help raise awareness. Vancouver police have installed extra cameras outside an Israeli restaurant in downtown Vancouver. Police say the owner has been reporting serious threats dating back to 2021. Critics online have highlighted her support for Israel and the Israeli flag in the window. Police say the cameras are meant to give the public a sense of security and they say cameras will not see into private residences or property. BC Premier David Eby is apologizing tonight for a social media post that said he stands with the Muslim community. Eby says the post was quickly removed but should not have happened, especially on an important day like Holocaust Remembrance Day. The mistake comes as Jewish communities report greater threats fueled by events in the Middle East. Karen Lieberman takes a closer look. And that's the only thing I have of my mom. Hedy Bohm has little left to show from the past, but the memories remain vivid. I was in hell in Auschwitz, which was truly hell. As a Holocaust survivor, watching events in the Middle East brings her back decades. What we see now is devastating a worldwide hatred of Jews. Immediately following the October 7th attack on Israel, police in Canada stepped up security in Jewish neighborhoods and around places of worship, noting an uptick in reported hate crimes. Between October 7th and December 17th, Toronto's police chief says there were 98 hate crimes reported, compared to 48 during the same period in 2022. Of these incidents, more than half were anti-Semitic. I have had people calling me, say they're the only Jewish family in their school, their child is being spit on, they have uh, students etching swastikas into the, their child's locker. A Montreal Jewish school was hit twice by gunfire in November in less than a week. I looked at it not just literally as someone shooting bullets through the door of the school, but figuratively, uh, someone just shooting a bullet into this warm, beautiful community and just like shaking us up for absolutely no reason other than uh, hatred and bias. 
University campuses across North America have become a hotbed for tension, with student clashes, some violent, like this one at Concordia. What is happening in synagogues, in schools, at businesses, uh, people's homes, this is not Canada. The Quran tells me that unless I respect the people of the book, which includes Jews and Christians and people of other faith, I can't expect for them to respect me. For survivors like Bohm, who have dedicated their lives to raising awareness about the consequences of hate, a recent global rise of anti-Semitism has her wondering. We thought we're doing something, but look what's happening. There Whatever we did wasn't enough or wasn't the right thing. Jews had to start identifying themselves with these yellow badges. Last year, the Toronto Holocaust Museum opened its doors to the public, unveiling a space dedicated to remembrance and education. They're coming here to really understand the full scope and to hear survivor testimony and to learn the rise of anti-Semitism and the impact that the Holocaust had on the Jewish community. Bohm hopes people take every opportunity to hear the stories of the past to prevent history from repeating itself. I can imagine a world where people are kind to one another, regardless of color and religion and nationality. Karen Lieberman, Global News, Toronto. Protesters in Vancouver are turning up the pressure on members of parliament. Across the lower mainland, neighborhood groups have formed to demand that the Canadian government make a ceasefire real. They rallied at the art gallery to pressure the Canadian government to back a ceasefire in Gaza. Protesters say they are not satisfied with Canada's response to the violence and they're planning a campaign at MP offices to make their case. Clinical trials can lead to life-changing medical treatments, but the trials can't get there without patients. An Alberta program set out to solve that problem, and now its success is leading to a cross-country expansion. Jasmine King explains. Candy Marriott was first diagnosed with idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis in 2018, which causes scarring of the lungs. There is no cure. It is a progressive disease. They say the average person lives anywhere from two to five years. Marriott says there is medication available for her disease, but it doesn't work for everyone. That's one of the reasons she was inspired to take part in a clinical trial. We don't know if it's genetic or if it's just a one-off. So if it's genetic, it could help my family down the road. One of Marriott's trials involved her wearing a watch that tracks her vital signs, and others are just as simple, like Dylan Cuvaliers, who was diagnosed with heart failure in 2020 and encouraged to participate in a trial by his nurse. Well, once you find out that these exist and how many are going on and how easy they are and how important they are, that yeah, no, it's hard to not want to tell people to try to take part. An Alberta program called Be The Cure has also been spreading the word, making it easy for people to find trials they could help with. Clinical trials really form the backbone of what we do in medicine in terms of the medications we use or the procedures we do or sometimes the strategies we take for how we screen patients or take care of patients. Now Be The Cure is expanding across the country. Because if people aren't aware of the trials taking place, it can be a lot harder to find participants. That can mean that it takes a long time for a study to complete, 
And sometimes that can delay us finding, you know, novel tests or treatments for rare diseases or for cancers or infections. And Marriott hopes the trials can lead not only to a cure for others, but a treatment for herself. I would like to be around in 20 years from now to see my grandkids grow up and stuff. Jasmine King, Global News. Yes. After the break, a hockey game that takes no breaks. Hockey players with the lofty goal of playing the world's longest hockey game. We'll see just how long it goes. There's plenty of rain coming our way. Let's bring in our Christy Gordon for a look at what we can expect. Travis, I wanted to start off with this map. It shows the amount of moisture that we're going to see, not only including today's rainfall, but that atmospheric river, which is Sunday, Monday, and then the more moisture that we're expecting, or the further moisture that we're expecting Tuesday and Wednesday. So we're talking about outer coast of Vancouver Island, 200 to 300 millimeters of rain, substantial amounts through the inner areas. So Highway 4, Port Alberni, those are some of the key areas that we'll be watching for potential landslides, uh, as well as the Howe Sound area and the North Shore, 250 millimeters of rain. But keep in mind, this is stretched over five days. One of the key parts of this event, though, will be that atmospheric river. So we saw a rain all day today. The ground's already saturated because of how wet it has been. And now we're going to have this narrow band of very focused, intense rainfall. So we'll be watching the trajectory of that tomorrow, particularly because it will intensify Sunday night and Monday. And it will be those areas that will be greatly impacted by all of that extreme runoff and the potential for uh, landslides or uh, flooding. But keep in mind, this is not as bad as the event that we saw in 2021, but we are expecting there to be some hazards. And you can see that that rainfall continues into Tuesday, Wednesday, and it comes with that surge in heat. So we're talking about daytime highs of 13, 14 degrees, freezing levels up to 2,500 meters. And the um, snowpack, according to Dave Campbell, is just ripe for melting because it's not thick enough yet. It's just so thin. So enhanced river systems, certainly a concern, uh, flood potential, risks of landslide in around burn scars or any clear cut areas, power outages are certainly possible and certainly delays in travel on Monday particularly. Let me show you the timeline. Tomorrow is going to be mostly dry across the region, but it's late tomorrow that that atmospheric river shifts in. So very intense rain expected Sunday night into Monday under that atmospheric river. But again, the target of that will sort of shift. So we'll be watching for that tomorrow. In the meantime, this is your tomorrow. We're expecting, yes, rainfall for the north and central coast. We're expecting inland regions to get some rainfall, but far less in terms of intensity. So for those of you in the Okanagan Valley, for example, it'll be mostly dry throughout the day, but you are expecting showers by the afternoon. For our region, more dryness, or we're expecting it to be drier in the morning, still some drizzle in the morning, but then that rainfall uh, picks up through the latter part of the day and becomes more intense Sunday night into Monday. For tonight, yes, we're expecting periods of rain, but it should ease by early morning hours on Sunday. Back to you. Okay, thanks, Christy. Well, this is the world's longest hockey game taking place this weekend in Sakers Acres, east of Edmonton. The goal is to raise money to help cure cancer in children. The group behind the yearly event has already raised $7.5 million over the years. The proceeds go to several agencies, including the Cure Cancer Foundation and the University of Alberta. My father passed away from cancer, my wife passed away from cancer, and numerous family members. And uh, over the years as this has been going on, it just seems to get bigger and bigger and bigger. As our family have always said, if it, if it doesn't raise money, we're, we're not doing this anymore. And thankfully the community has always, always stepped up and supported us. Tomorrow is the final day where they hope to get to a whopping 72 hours of hockey played.
Yeah, it's a long game. It is uh, needless to say, you got to roll four lines when you're, <laughs> yeah. when you're playing a 72-hour game. You know, you got to got to keep the energy up. But that's no amazing. Kidding. Outdoor rink, though, that would be fun. It's beautiful. Uh, it's it, good. Yeah, that's the odd yeah. time. If it's not minus 40 in Edmonton, it is fun to play on the outdoors. I understand you've got more hockey coming up. Yeah. If uh, hey, I know the Canucks season has been awesome so far. If you if you can't watch their game tonight, it's going to be a while because they don't play for 10 more days after this, the long All-Star break for uh, Vancouver. But they play Columbus, trying to close out what's been just an incredible first half for the Canucks. We'll hear from them as uh, they look to finish off the first half in style and the team that can't lose. We just saw Edmonton, the Oilers, 16 in a row now. They haven't lost in nearly six weeks and uh, they are climbing the standings quick. So highlights of that coming up as well. Okay, looking forward to it. Thanks, Barry. And after the break, hitting the trails for a good cause. More than 100 snowmobilers taking part in what's called a poker run raising money for charity along the way. Early this morning, more than 100 snowmobiles took off on a charitable poker run at Greystokes Provincial Park. Sydney Morton brings us the highlights from the event. More than 100 snowmobilers racing through Greystokes Provincial Park from checkpoint to checkpoint for the Kelowna Snowmobile Club's annual poker run. Uh, everybody comes here to the parking lot, buys their hand. It's uh, you get three hands for $20 and you get your first card here at the parking lot. Then there's three stops at each of our emergency shelters here in the Greystokes Park where they'll each get a card. Proceeds raised at the annual fundraiser are going to the BC Children's Hospital Cardiac Department as well as to the club. We're custodians of the Greystokes area as well as uh, Myra Bellevue across 33. So we have exclusive use to the uh, park as well as surrounding area for snowmobile use only. But through the summer, we're also very active here, uh, replenishing firewood for the, for the emergency shelters, uh, making sure that the trails are clear. So it's a full-time job working throughout the year. In case of emergency, members of Central Okanagan Search and Rescue are on standby. They're a great supporter of us when uh, we need them, so we support them when they're having their events. Um, we have teams out in the field just making sure that everybody's uh, being safe and if anything happens, we're on site to take care of it. While snowmobilers loop the track, the parking lot is being set up for an afternoon of family fun, including a kid's snowmobile track. And of course, a chance to show off new toys on the market. This is called a snow dog. And basically it's used for recreation, for ice fishing, um, trap lines, hunting, whatever you want. It's all seasons, so you don't, you're not restricted to just snow. The fundraiser goal for this year's poker run is $10,000. Sydney Morton, Global News. After the break, Barry's here with sports. The Canucks in action tonight at Rogers Arena. They're coming off an overtime loss to St. Louis. Looking to head into the All-Star break with a win against Columbus. Not the toughest opponent today, but anything's uh, possible, yeah, right? Well, they lost to them the last time they played uh, Columbus, True. but it's hard to get up for these kind of games. That's uh, one of the challenges of the long season. All right, thanks, Travis. The uh, Canucks played their final game before a 10-day break tonight. 7 o'clock against the always underwhelming Columbus Blue Jackets. The Canucks have played a lot of hockey. They are physically and mentally worn down, but they don't want to soil the sheets in their final game, especially at home. Very easy to be looking past one of the worst teams in the 
NHL. The Canucks have been on a huge roll, though. They are 16-2-4 in their last 22. That's a staggering 818 win percentage. So they want to keep those good feelings going through the break. You know, it's uh, we all know the the same mindset going into this game. Everybody wants to, it's you know, in human nature to get on the, with the break, right? But you know, we've done a lot of good up to this point, and we'd hate to uh, have a bad taste in our mouth going into the break. So we all know we need to be ready to just have another good start like we have been lately, and go from there. You lose momentum if if the guys do the, if they don't do the proper things over the ten days. That's when you can lose momentum as a team. So hopefully, we got a group that does the right things over these ten games. We do need a break though, a mental rest, um, but we we got to make sure that. Our team does the right things on during the break to keep to keep the momentum or whatever you call it. NHL today, Corey Perry making his debut for the Oilers and Corey Perry's son bringing a sign to cheer on his dad. Perry played 12:44, two shots on goal, did not get a point. But it was the Oilers' power play that got Edmonton the early jump. Ryan Nugent Hopkins rips the wrister, posting in one nothing Oilers after one. Predators had a great chance to tie it in the second. Philip Forsberg, great move, but slides it through the crease on Stuart Skinner. Forsberg had nine shots on goal, but he did not score. Later second, another Oilers power play, and we may have seen this a few hundred times before. McDavid and Dreisaitl working the two-man game perfectly. 23rd for Dreisaitl, 2-0 after two. Preds had a lot of chances, but Stuart Skinner has been magnificent during the streak. Stops Cody Glass here. Oilers have given up just 24 goals in their past 16. That's one and a half a game. And the big boys were flying. McDavid will eventually bank one in. He meant to do it, of course. It's sweet 16 victories in a row for Edmonton. 4-1 the final. They have to wait 10 days until their next game, Feb 6th, in Vegas to get to 17 and tie the NHL record of the 92-93 Pittsburgh Penguins. Vegas and Detroit, Golden Knights have stepped it up, began the night just five points behind the Canucks in the Pacific, but the Wings got the icebreaker. Dylan Larkin fires it past Logan Thompson, 200th career goal for the Red Wings captain, 1-0 Detroit. Now 2-2 late first, Wings on a power play. Joe Valeno turns and fires, and it goes in off of Vegas D-man. 3-2 Red Wings, and that's where they stand in the second intermission. And one more for you, Leafs and Jets from Winnipeg. Morgan Riley and the Leafs playing a lot of hockey out west. Course lost to the Canucks last Saturday, but better result tonight. Riley with the shot, the tip by John Tavares. Snaps an 11-goal scoring drought. 2-1 Leafs. Austin Matthews puts it away in a two-man power play. That's his 40th of the year, 600th career point, and the Leafs win 4-2. Vancouver Warriors at home last night hosting Colorado. Warriors coming off that big come-from-behind win last weekend in Saskatchewan, but all mammoth at Rogers last night. Tyson Gibson on the power play. What a night he had. 9-3 at the half, 12-5 after three quarters. Keegan Ball, the only bright spot. He had three goals and four assists in a losing effort, but it was all mammoth. 14-8 at the final. Warriors head coach Kurt Miloski, none too pleased with his team, who fall to 2-5 on the season. Taking a look at your team's overall performance as well tonight, what are some things you like from the guys? It wasn't much. Pretty lackluster. You know, we've lost five games this year and I thought that was one of our worst performances. You know, I didn't like our Calgary game, but I just thought that one was awful. I didn't like it. It just like, it, it, it wasn't a ton of compete. The guys battled at times, but it was just lackluster, I think. It's like we would make a good play and no one would no one would get on the boards and bang their sticks and no one would really cheer for the guy next to them. And 
And I just question it. Like, it's just like, does it not matter to you? Is it, is it not important to you? Like how you're, you're getting embarrassed in front of, you know, we've had the two biggest crowds in the franchise history the last two games. I'm freaking embarrassed, man. I'm freaking embarrassed. Like, that's how I feel. I, I feel we let the fans down. We're letting the organization down. It stinks. It absolutely stinks. That's how I feel. I think we know how you feel, Kurt. The players need to be fired up like him. Australian Open, women's final. Number two, uh, Arena Sabalenka, Belarus, who won the tournament last year for her first major, taking on China's Jing Shiwen, playing in her first Grand Slam final, and it was one-way traffic. Sabalenka won the first set, then smashes the return winner. Sabalenka did not drop a set the entire two weeks. Back-to-back -back Aussie Open championships for Arena Sabalenka, 6-3-6-2 in just 76 minutes. The men's final goes just after midnight tonight, Yannick Sinner of Italy versus Russian Daniel Medvedev. PGA Tour at beautiful Torrey Pines in San Diego for the Farmers Insurance Open. Saturday finish to make way for the NFL playoffs tomorrow. Toronto's Taylor Pendrith from the bunker, and that's a birdie. Finished at 9-under, tied for ninth, won 236,000. Frenchman Mathieu Pavon, 31 years old, usually plays the European Tour, but got his PGA Tour card this year. This is for the birdie and the win at 18. And Pavon is going to knock it in for the victory. First PGA Tour season, gets a win in just his 11th tournament ever played in America. His third start this year, and he's the first Frenchman ever to win on the PGA Tour. Darcy Sharp, creativity through the roof. Backside 360, lays back, and then does a backside 360 out of that. X Games from Aspen last night. Kobox's Darcy Sharp winning bronze in the men's snowboard knuckle huck. What's knuckle huck? Riders huck themselves over the lower knuckle of the big air jump. Get creative with it. He won the bronze. Fellow Canadian Liam Brearley won the gold. Bundesliga, Bayern Munich at Augsburg. It's been a while since Canadian star Alfonso Davies has scored for his club. Last March was the last one, but this is a pretty good slump breaker. Brilliant shot from Alfonso. Bayern doesn't really need him to score. They pay him to use that blazing speed to defend and start the attack. But he chips in today. Bayern win 3-2. They're second in the Bundesliga behind Leverkusen. Huge upset in the FA Cup. Sixth tier Maidstone United in yellow, taking on championship side Ipswich Town. Late first half, brilliant chip goal here by Lamar Reynolds. That's some good quality from a semi-pro player. 1-0 Maidstone. Ipswich tied it, but 10 minutes later off the break, Sam Korn with a fine finish. And Maidstone United onto the final 16 in the FA Cup, shocking Ipswich Town. 2-1, and if you're wondering about Wrexham, Ryan Reynolds' team out of uh, Wales, they play their uh, FA Cup game on Monday. So it's always fun to watch the upsets of all the leagues playing. It'd be like a team from the East Coast League beating an NHL team or an AHL team. Yeah, those are always fun to see. Yeah. Okay, thanks, Barry. After the break, teams and games of another variety will explain. The Global Game Jam is consuming the hearts and minds of creatives in Kelowna for the entire weekend. The goal, to design a new game, video or tabletop, in just 48 hours. And that's the most common cause of failure, that people are just not able to finish it. It's only 48 hours. People around the world are hunched over computer screens and notebooks for the same 48 hours, all trying to create an exciting game. Some work alone, some in teams, and some in group settings, like here at Kelowna's Centre for Arts and Technology.
For me, it's being able to focus on the game and actually complete a project. I'm going to be their main, main programmer. Our idea is a little bit out there. It is uh, a doll maker, like when you think of uh, kind of like the retro, you know, putting little pieces of paper on a paper doll, uh, but it's mortuary themed. At the end of the 48 hours, which is tomorrow at 6 p.m., all of the games are uploaded and presented online. Anyone interested in this kind of game design is invited to join the Okanagan Media Guild Society. Info at omguild.ca. Another video game, huh? Yeah, just the put kids need, need another video game. Yeah, right, well, it's very impressive what they do. When it's raining, I guess. Sure, you can get I outside. suppose. Yeah. Okay, we'll go with that. All right, thanks. My dad, the dad in me, saying <laughs> we don't we need any more video. Thanks, everyone. Have a great night.